I'm your host, Matt Bergman, and welcome to From the Hawk's Nest. Today, my guest is Kevin Wensing. Kevin is a 1980 graduate of Quincy College, now Quincy University. He's a native of Quincy and a retired U.S. Navy captain who went to sea after graduation and served 26 years in the Navy and then three additional years as a senior advisor to the Deputy Secretary of Defense at the Pentagon. Kevin was a political science major at QU, a varsity tennis player. He wrote for the school paper and was involved in many other aspects of campus life when he was a student. Now, Kevin uh, is giving back to the university by serving on the National Alumni Board, and he helped found the Quincy University National Capital Region Alumni Chapter. Kevin, thank you for joining us today. We're going to talk about uh, your military career and your area of service and some of your accomplishments and opportunities. And we'll try to squeeze all that in in the time allowed. Kevin, welcome. Matt, thanks very much. Great to be with you. Well, you know, let's go back to the early days where where you grew up right here in the gym city and you've always had a close connection with QU. I, I certainly have uh, my, uh, went to St. Francis grade school right across the street from Quincy University. And uh, my father was a guy named Bert Wensing. And uh, he, one of the first uh, big projects he got when he started his construction company was uh, to fill in College Avenue and turn them turn into the mall. And he did a number of other projects around Quincy College, now Quincy University. So every day when my brother and I would come home from school, we'd walk across the street and we'd see our dad and we'd see all his crew doing work around Quincy University. And uh, of course, the, the soccer team used to practice at Friars Field back in the day when they were you know, NAI champions for many years. Yes. And so we'd go hang out and watch the soccer players and as I think I was probably in maybe seventh or eighth grade, Mark Shearing was on the tennis team. So then I, you know, kind of discovered tennis and watched them and just hung out with all the college kids. <laughs> it was great fun. That's awesome. And so you you decided to continue your education at Quincy University and you chose political science as your major. What led you to that decision? Well, uh, actually, Mark Shearing, uh, you know, who was, became a judge and, you know, a, a great great person, a great supporter of Quincy University. Uh, he was a political science major and um, he was sort of like sort of like a big brother to me, actually. My, my dad died when I was a freshman at Quincy University. He was, by that time, Mark was at St. Louis University Law School and he invited me to come down and hang out with him for a few days at St. Louis U. But, um, you know, he was a, I think he was president of the student council at Quincy University and very involved in a lot of things. And so I knew he was a political science major and so I thought, well, that's, that's, that's what he is. That's like, that's what I'll be too. And uh, I met Dr. Possiglione and uh, Dr. Evans along the way, just actually as I was a grade school student, you know, kind of hanging out at Quincy University. And uh, so I, I thought political science sounds good. And I thought, well, I'm going to go in the Navy for a few years. I'll come back. I'll go to law school and, uh, you know, move back to the Midwest. But after, after going around, you know, Asia and Australia and Middle East and so forth, uh, I thought, well, maybe I'll do one more tour in the Navy. So they sent me to shore duty, and I was a surface warfare initially, a surface warfare officer on, on a helicopter carrier initially, and then I went to shore duty, became a public affairs officer, and uh, and I thought I'd get out after that point. But then they said, how would you like to go on a cruise around South America and West Africa? I thought, well, I can't pass that up. One good deal led to another. Wound up doing 26 years uh, serving all around the world. So never, never got around to moving back, but it's sort of been a, a, a dream still 
get back to uh, Quincy and as many times as I can get back to the Midwest. I imagine that training and the experience that you got during those formative years, years at QU helped you as you uh, served in the Navy. Well, yeah, my, uh, I think my upbringing at Quincy University was a uh, great value to me. I'll be honest, when I first came in the Navy, you know, I, I met some Naval Academy people and, and other people from, you know, other universities. And I was a little intimidated because you know, I went to you know, Quincy College, you know, Quincy University, kind of a small school. I thought, wow, this person went to the Naval Academy. You know, there's no way I can compete with them. But the, the education I got at Quincy University and the opportunities for leadership, I think, is one of the things I didn't think about when I picked Quincy, Quincy University to go to. If I'd gone to a huge school like the University of Illinois, I never would have made the tennis team. I probably wouldn't have been involved in as many aspects of, of campus life as I was able to be involved in at Quincy University. So I think those leadership opportunities and getting to take charge of things paid a lot of dividends for me when I, when I joined the Navy. And uh, so I found that the education at Quincy University was, you know, on a par with anybody else in the country. And so I got over that intimidation pretty quickly. What are some of your uh, favorite QU memories? Maybe some things that you love about QU um, from back then, but even today. Well, when I was a, when I was a youngster, you know, going to the, you know the Hawks soccer games and the the Mark Heinen Holiday Basketball Tournament that was always great fun. I remember going there, kind of roaming around and hanging out with you know Pete Franco was one of the star basketball players and. And uh, Al Hardy was one of the star soccer players and all these guys. There was another person, I think uh, I think his name was Rich O'Connell. He went by Shakespeare when he was there. I think he may have, I don't <laughs> know what his major was, but, but he later became a, a, a WGEM radio DJ. And I think he moved back to Chicago and became a DJ, at least for part of his career. So, uh, you know, as th- that was a big influence on me as a young, you know, kid from St. Francis. And then, it, then I went to Quincy Catholic Boys, became Notre Dame. So that kind of upbringing in the sort of the Catholic tradition, um, meeting those people, hanging out with them, seeing them, seeing how they acted. And then when I actually got to Quincy you know, University, um, the, 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 the faculty was superb, I thought, and, uh, and you know, a little intimidating at first because, you know, sometimes I wasn't necessarily the best student, but uh, they, they kind of coach you and bring you along. You know, again, when you get at Quincy University over other schools is the professors know who you are and they can you know coach you and help you if they see you sliding whereas in a big school you know if I had gone to some you know factory university I would have probably been lost in the crowd and you know, they wouldn't have known who I was so uh, that I think that paid a big dividend for me so the, the people at Quincy University were really key and then you know the, the teammates on the tennis team you know and and other aspects you know, we had a fencing club at Quincy University. I got involved in that, the school paper, all those kind of things. So you're able to kind of touch a lot of bases at, at a school like Quincy University. So do you have any favorite QU memories that stand out? Um, I think just the road trips, you know, when we were a tennis team. I think, you know, going to the soccer games, uh, basketball games, you know, sort of pep rallies, that kind of stuff. And I think just, uh, frankly, I mean, it might sound a little corny, the, the the relationships with the professors and the teachers I had, how they kind of guided me and coached me along, I think was, you know, that has, has a lot of meaning. And I've stayed in touch with a, a number of them, Dr. Pasquale in particular, Dr. Costigan, a couple of those people, you know, sending them postcards from wherever I went in the Navy, uh, just kind of 
kind of paying it back to them and letting them know how, how life is turning out. Uh, I, I think that's maybe hopefully gratifying to them to see that, you know, hey, I kid, he didn't, he didn't fail. He turned out to be okay. But I think <laughs> the, the people was really, the, was really the key aspect of it. And, um, yeah, so I think that, that's really the, the best memory. I don't have any particular memory, you know, playing on the coast team and hanging out with those guys. And we did a road trip actually a few months after my dad died in 1977 in Texas with our coach. And we went to, you know, Texas Christian University and the University of Dallas and all these schools and played them down there. That was a, that was a great memory because I'd probably never been on a road trip before. <laughs> you know, I was a little kid from my Quincy, a townie as, as they used yep. to call us, right? <laughs> Guilty. Uh, I was a right townie. Here. So I, I, exactly. And I, I grew up like two blocks from, from school over on Elm Street. So uh, I hadn't really been, you know, on any kind of trip like that with the guys. I'd gone to Chicago a number of times. My mom was from Chicago. She'd gone to, she studied at Quincy College when she was going to St. Mary's Medical School to become, become a nurse back in like 51, 52, 53 timeframe. Uh, but, you know, that was all before before I came along. But so we've gone to Chicago, but those kind of bonding trips with your teammates and, you know, hanging out at some of the, you know, some of the nice parties there on the campus and, and all that. And, and in fact, I think it was my, I want to say my freshman or sophomore year, they, they started for a while, they had a, a Greek society at Quincy College for a bit and and I think it kind of went away and I, I saw that you, you're bringing it back now which I think is great so I remember you know I think that must have been maybe a freshman or sophomore because uh, a couple of people in the in the fraternity were were you know a couple of basketball stars and soccer stars and so forth so even when you're a freshman you know it's kind of intimidating oh those are the you know big yeah. men on campus and and all that so getting involved with them and hanging out with them was kind of kind of cool so I'm glad to see the Greek kind of society coming back uh, University. Well, let's take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to talk with Kevin about some key moments in the Navy that stand out in his life and about his journeys around the world. Stay with us. You're listening to From the Hawk's Nest. Have you dreamed of completing a bachelor's degree but think you can't because you have to work full-time? Quincy University's St. Clair Professional Studies program provides a flexible schedule for adults wanting to complete a degree. Our professional studies program conveniently offers classes online and in the evening so you can work full-time while pursuing your degree. Take the next step in your educational journey. Visit Quincy.edu. And welcome back to From the Hawk's Nest. I'm Matt Bergman, and today we're chatting with Kevin Winsing. He's a 1980 graduate of Quincy University, a native of Quincy, and is a retired U.S. Navy captain. And Kevin... You've been involved in a lot of things with the Navy, but but take us back to those early years and when you first got started. Uh, what did you do in those initial years? When I, so when I graduated from Quincy College, Quincy University, I, I went off to Newport, Rhode Island. Uh, in fact, what I had done after my dad had passed away, I, I kind of started thinking, okay, what am I going to do? So I uh, started looking when I, in my junior year at uh, maybe serving the military. So I looked at ROTC programs. So I found that they had a, a way you could go and do two years of ROTC if you went to Newport, Rhode Island to do a thing called Naval Science Institute and catch up on your first two years of ROTC. And if you did well enough, you could qualify for a scholarship. So I went to Newport actually in 1979 after my junior year at Quincy College for the Naval Science Institute. And I, I did well, I became a company commander and so forth. But they said I'd, I'd only had like one math class at Quincy College. So they said, well, you don't have enough math to get the Navy scholarship, but we can offer you a Marine Corps scholarship. 
And I thought, well, I'm not really sure I want to go in the Marine Corps. I was kind of like leaning toward the Navy, so I decided to kind of pass on that. I think I would have gone to University of Illinois or University of Missouri were the schools that I was, you know, going to be able to get into with that. So I said I went back to Quincy College and I wrapped up my, my senior year and I applied for officer candidate school. And since the Navy had kind of gone through the paperwork the previous year for me for Naval Science Institute, I got accepted to officer candidate school. So I think it was two weeks after graduation, I was found myself in Newport, Rhode Island again. Uh, and that actually worked out well because when I showed up, I had this experience from the previous summer. So my gunnery sergeant who was training us asked if I was, he thought I was prior enlisted because I, you know, knew how to march and make my bed and, you know, all the, all the military kind of courtesy stuff. And I said, no, I'm, I was at that Naval Science Institute last summer. So I, again, I, I did well as company commander, got selected by the gunnery sergeant for that and, uh, became a, became a surface warfare officer. So I got in that pipeline. I went to San Diego on the USS Tripoli, a helicopter carrier, and uh, qualified as an officer of the deck underway and did a tour in weapons department, engineering department, operations department, kind of kind of getting the whole Navy experience over those almost four years that I was on that ship. Did a couple of deployments to the Persian Gulf, uh, Indian Ocean, Australia, Hong Kong, Western Pacific, uh, you know, pretty much a lot of time at sea. And uh, then when I came came off that ship, I switched over to public affairs duty. I got sent to Orlando, Florida, and uh, where they had a boot camp back in that at that period, where they trained men and women recruits. And the nuclear power school was there as well. So I got sent to Orlando as a public affairs officer, and I thought, wow, I get to work for a one-star admiral. That's pretty cool. And um, had all kinds of visitors. So every Every week we had a graduation, so the Secretary of the Navy would come, the head of the Egyptian Navy, the Chilean Navy, you get the picture, every Navy in the world, they had people coming, and uh, so I would take care of all of them. Also, all kinds of accidents, incidents, you know, tragic deaths, things like that, dealing with the, with the press. And um, anyway, one, like I said, one, one opportunity after another off to South America, did a cruise around all of, all of South America, Western Africa. And then an admiral I'd met some time ago, um, earlier in my career said, Hey, he was at the Pentagon. He said, I want you to be my aide in the Pentagon. Again, I thought, wow, what an opportunity to work at the Pentagon for an admiral. And, uh, so I learned another learning experience. I was there about two years and then, uh, they said, uh, go to Japan. I went to Japan, uh, to be on the USS Midway initially, but they shifted me over to be on the seventh fleet staff. Uh, and about six months in the admiral there made me his aide. Uh, and then two weeks after he made me the aid, uh, Saddam invaded Kuwait. So we wound up going to Bahrain for a year in the first Gulf War. And, uh, the admiral I worked for was, uh, Hank, a guy named Hank Maas and later Stan Arthur took over. And they were the commander of all the naval forces. So the Royal Navy came in, German Navy. And, uh, part of my job was to kind of meet all those people, coordinate with, for my admiral on meetings and so forth. And then Colin Powell came through and Dick Cheney was Secretary of Defense and President Bush 41 and so on and so forth. Everybody came through all wanted to get briefings on what was going to go on during the Desert Shield portion. And of course, Desert Storm happened and had a great victory and liberated the people of Kuwait. So I, so I met a lot of people in D.C. who are Kuwaitis and I said, oh, I was in the first Gulf War. They go, I was a little kid back then. Thank you for saving our country. <laughs> so it's very... Very great, gratifying. In yes. fact, I just met one this morning. I just met another person this morning who was three years old when when the when the Gulf War. I said, yeah. I said it was probably before you were born. He goes, No, I was alive. I was three years old. Wow. And he said, Thank you very much for saving our country. So, uh, 
you know, joining the Navy after Quincy, one, going to Quincy College turned out to be a great, great move. Again, the leadership opportunities, the, I think the value you get for your education dollar, frankly, is superb at Quincy University. And uh, so, uh, like I said, I'm bringing my family's coming back for the homecoming weekend this weekend. And I'm bringing my daughter and I'm saying, okay, coaches, let's let's start recruiting <laughs> this 13-year-old. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm going to introduce it all. I said, you know, you've seen, you've seen uh, Duke, you've seen Princeton, you've seen, but you haven't seen Princeton University. So come on. That's right. Uh, and so we're going to go over there and visit that, right? Because, again, one size fits none, I always tell people. So you got to find the thing where you fit. Again, I think your the value for your education dollar at Quincy University is fabulous. And now they're adding, you know, wrestling, which I'm, I was a wrestler in high school. So very gratified to see a wrestling program starting at Quincy, Quincy yep. University and the lacrosse program and so forth. So, again, if you want to play collegiate sports, and you, you, know, you might not be able to get on the Johns Hopkins lacrosse team or the University of Maryland lacrosse team. You can probably play at Quincy University and, and again, have those memories, stay fit, have that experience that you're going to carry with you for a lifetime. And, uh, and again, so when I joined the Navy, you know, I third, I'll, I'll do it for four years and I'll get out, come back to the Midwest, go to law school, but, uh, turned out one opportunity after another. And, uh, you know, once you get to like 10, 11 years, you figure, well, I might as well stay to 20 <laughs> so you can get your, you know, your retirement pay, which I, I tell people it's not really retirement pay. It's really deferred overtime because believe me, that's a one thing. When I worked at the Pentagon for, for a number of years, I think my hours were at 5.30 in the morning until probably 8 o'clock at night. Oh. And uh, probably 50% of the time traveling, you know, to places like, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan, Djibouti, uh, and other, other places all around the world. So I, I tell people it's really deferred overtime. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you've mentioned a few, but I, I know you've met some very impressive people over the years and key leaders. Who are a couple that have stood out to you? Well, I've been very fortunate to meet so many people. Um, you know, in my Navy career, I got to work on Hollywood films. So I got to work with, you know, Ben Affleck and Cuba Gooding Jr. on the movie Pearl Harbor. In fact, Michael Bay, I was the uh, liaison in. So I asked a lot of questions and nobody else was asking questions. I was asking a lot of questions. And uh, he, he kind of jokingly said, I think there's a role for you in the movie. And everybody cracked up. A few weeks later, they called and said, oh, you know, we're going to make you the referee in the boxing scene. So I checked with the, the lawyers and so forth. They, they gave me approval to do it. So I was in the movie Pearl Harbor and uh, all kinds of stuff. But probably the probably one of the most impressive people and people I really was very blessed to meet was President Bush 41. Um, I met him, I think, in Norfolk. It was, a, I think it was the 40th anniversary of the end of World War II. So then uh, probably the 40th or 50th anniversary of the end of World War II. And he came with his family. And so he had been stationed there in Oceana, Virginia, Virginia Beach, Virginia, when the war ended. He had been shot down. So he'd come back to the States. He was retraining to get ready for probably the invasion of Japan. And when the war ended, he was stationed in Virginia. So he came back with his family. We He, he talked to all kinds of troops and sailors and everybody. And um, then later, I was assigned to the Secretary of the Navy. And so one of my jobs helping the Secretary of the Navy was to identify names for ships because they have to have a name for a ship. So uh, CVN-77, the next aircraft carrier, number 77 was scheduled to be built. And the previous one had been CVN-76 named Ronald Reagan. So in our file, in our file, we have thousands of names. People write in from all over the country. 
So there was like, I thought, well, Thomas Jefferson, because we have the other three, Mount Rushmore, I had a bunch of different ideas. So I basically boiled it down to about four or five names that people had written in for. And I, I, but I added George H.W. Bush because he was the youngest pilot ever in the Navy. And there was a couple letters for him, but not hundreds of letters like other pilots had had. And I brought it to the Chief of Naval Operations, Commandant of the Marine Corps, Secretary of the Navy, who has the final decision. So, you know, it doesn't matter what I put on the list. It's up to the Secretary of the Navy. And Secretary Gordon England, was, who is a terrific guy, one of my great mentors as well, um, he said, Let's, he said, can I do that? I said, yeah. So we checked with President Bush 43 staff just to make sure we didn't, like, you know, surprise him or anything. They said, hey, do whatever. The Secretary should do whatever he thinks is right. And, of course, it was obvious, 41 deserved an aircraft carrier, being the youngest Navy pilot and shot down, the CIA director, congressman, vice president, president, and overseeing the end of the Cold War so well and the first Gulf War and everything. So uh, we named that ship and my boss, my secretary, the secretary called him and and I I'd worked with his staff over, over the years since he came to Norfolk, so they kind of knew me. And uh, it was, he, was, he said it was like the thrill of his life to give a ship named after him. And so we Spent. I, I was very fortunate. I got to spend a number of times with him up at Kenny Bunkport and down at the Bush Library and set up a couple, couple of programs down at the Bush Library with the captain of the ship and the head of Newport News Shipbuilding and the Secretary of the Navy and President Bush 41 and and all those things. So he was a terrific guy and uh, um, always always remember him. He's very generous, very gracious guy. And Barbara Bush too. Barbara Bush, uh, you know. Uh, they, they, you know, they said, don't get on Barbara, Barbara's list. <laughs> <laughs> you see, she ran, she ran, she ran, I knew, I knew President Bush might have been president, but Barbara Bush was really the commander in chief. <laughs> nice. Isn't that the truth? Of yeah. Most of the time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But they were fantastic people. And of course, their work in literacy, I brought a number of speakers to their liter Barbara Bush Literacy Foundation events and, and uh, just, you know, just help out where we can because, you know, I like, I like to help good people get ahead. And, um, uh, and that, that was what they would do always do too. They would always try to lift up other people. So I thought that's a, you know, good, good people to hang out with. Uh, so very, very blessed, uh, meet 41 and Barbara Bush and the whole Bush family really. That's very cool. Kevin, uh, throughout your life, you have, uh, I'm undoubtedly been an inspiration for many people. What sort of advice would you have, um, either for current students, maybe, or for your fellow alum, um, from some of the lessons you've learned along the way. Well, I, yeah, I, I kind of learned a few lessons along the way. My old boss, Gordon England, who was uh, he had been the head of Lockheed Aircraft Company, helped design the F-16. Then he went to General Dynamics Land Systems, helped develop the Abrams tank. Brilliant engineer, and uh, became Secretary of Navy. I, I really didn't know who he, who he was, except for what positions he had held but just a really outstanding person. He got invited to speak at the Naval Academy. Uh, and he said, gosh, you know, Kevin, what should I, what should I talk to the Naval Academy 4,000 midshipmen about? You know, because, you know, should I talk about Naval history or whatever? I said, well, you know, Mr. England, you have all these, he used to use these one-liners he would use kind of in passing. I said, so we basically developed 14 things he used to say all the time, his 14 principles of leadership. So he talked about his, these principles of leadership and they're all very simple, but the one that is kind of principal one is like treat everyone with dignity and respect and always be forthright, honest, and direct with everyone, every person and every circumstance. So if you're, if you treat everyone with dignity and respect, 
and you uh, are forthright, honest, and direct with every person in every circumstance, I think you, know, you can't really go wrong with that kind of guidance. And uh, so that's what I try to try to do with people. And of course, I think the other thing, going back to Quincy College and Quincy University, the, the lessons you learn there from that sort of Franciscan uh, tradition that that St. Francis, that uh, Quincy, Quincy yeah. University has, I think those things, you know, that kind of whole Franciscan tradition that you, whether you whether you're Catholic or what, when you go to Quincy University, I think you just pick it up, right, from the professors, from the community, from the the the, the feel of that whole campus there. I think those Franciscan values, again, don't have to be Catholic or anything else, because those are just good human values of taking care of other people, treating people with dignity and respect, being honest, and admitting you know your faults when you're you know, like the prayer of St. Francis. I, I have that, you know, on my phone, in my head. And I, I repeat that sometimes when I'm like driving down the road on the trip or whatever. I think of that quite often. And I know that, you know, my going to St. Francis grade school and Notre Dame and Quincy, Quincy University have embedded that. And I, and again, I don't even think about it. I just, it's just part of me. So I think the values you get at Quincy University, uh, if you're paying attention, right. And, <laughs> and you, you, you will just, that we'll just absorb them. And then, and we need more people out there in the world now and in the future that have those kind of values, right? And that example, exemplify those values to other people. And uh, I think that people will be drawn to you if you, if you do that. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to join us on the, from the Hawk's Nest today. Well, thank you. And I hope to see all my alumni brothers and sisters in September, and I look forward to seeing you and uh, Dr. McGee and everyone, and, and go Hawks. All right. Kevin, thank you, and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of From the Hawks Nest, where we talk to alumni, friends, Franciscan friars, and students, and hear their perspectives and their QU journey. I'm Matt Bergman, and it's always a great day to be a Hawk.